The reading this morning is from Luke chapter 17, verses 20 to 37. And that is on page 1051 in the Church Bibles. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding corn together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord? they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I wonder how you feel as you come to church this morning. Some of us will have arrived well rested because we remembered before we went to bed that we were getting up an hour earlier. Uh, some of us will be full of joy. Life is good. Some of us will have been out late last night, um, which tonight, last night of all nights we probably shouldn't have been with that loss of the hour. You know, some of those who were out late last night may not have made it this morning. In fact, some people won't have put their clocks forward, and they'll arrive here in about 15 minutes, at which point, of course, I'll be in the middle of talking, and we won't even say a word. We'll just look in that knowing way. <sighs> some of us will have been kept awake by children or even teenagers, um, some of us will have been woken early. Have you noticed, I'm sure you have, that life can be quite hard? Have you noticed that? I don't know if it's just at the moment, but it just feels like life's quite hard, doesn't it, for a lot of people. 
You know, pressures start as you get older, like um, costly house repairs, or maybe you can't even buy a house to repair. Uh, jobs are insecure, knife crime is on the rise, relatives are getting sick, maybe dying, or maybe we're sick, we're getting older. And will we be able to live in our own home as we get older? And then we might be worried about our kids, if we have them, or more generally worried about the country that we live in. And then there's the world, which, if you were here last week, um, has flooding in Mozambique from here to Glasgow. Just get your head around that for a moment. Ridiculous. Could Sharknado actually happen? And then someone tells us there's a great government conspiracy about a meteor that's going to hit the earth and there's nothing they can do about it, so they're not telling us. Now, for those of you who I've just scared, I am joking, but it might be true. <laughs> See, so many of us probably arrive at church this morning absolutely shattered. You know, our minds are elsewhere, and we may be wondering why we bothered. But however we came to church, this passage in Luke 17 is the reason that God brought you here this morning, because he really, really wants you to know the things that are contained in these verses, because they really, really matter. So if you've got a Bible near you, I'm speaking on uh, Luke 17, it's page 1051, 1051, if you want to look that up. So if you look in verse 20, Jesus is being asked by the Pharisees about the kingdom of God. Now, we already know some stuff about the kingdom of God if we've followed Jesus' story so far in Luke. So the angel said to Mary before Jesus' birth that he will reign on David's throne and Jesus' kingdom will never end. Okay, so that was a promise that the angel made even before Jesus was born. So at the start of his ministry, people were wanting more miracles. And Jesus said this, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that's why I was sent. Looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are, who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. The one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. To the 72, he said, heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near you. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the Great. Seek, yeah. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus told the story of the great banquet where the original invitations were declined and a ragtag bunch of people ended up attending. 
Jesus said, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone is forcing their way into it. So what do we know so far? Okay, so here we have the kingdom. Best handwriting. Okay, so the, God gives you the kingdom. God gives you it. Now, if I move the flip chart about now, the person who's operating the camera will really be annoyed. Okay, it will never end. Okay, it's given to the poor. Given to the poor. Okay, everyone with me so far? Good. It's near. Oh, time for a change of pen. Hmm. Okay, it's given to the poor. It's near. It's secretly. Ah, oh, that's better. It's secretly at work. Okay, it's for the persevering. So it's for those people who don't look back for the persevering. Do you know what? I've, I've been struck by this bit recently, that people are forcing their way in. That's quite exciting, isn't it? And a challenge for those of us who've grown up in the church. People are forcing their way in, and it's a banquet is a banquet. Okay, here we go. So that's sort of the story so far. And now Jesus says in verses 20 to 25 that the kingdom of God is here. That's where we start today's passage. The Pharisees ask, when will it come? Now, what's the great irony? What's the great irony of that? It's right there. The king is among them. And they're going, oh, now Jesus, where, where you know, when, where, when, when's the kingdom going to come? It's right there. It's already started. Jesus says that you can't observe the kingdom's arrival. You won't open a door and go, oh, there you are. I've been looking for you everywhere. Why not? Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. That's what he says in verse 21. The kingdom of God is in your midst. He tells them that a king has come. And if they'd opened their eyes, they would have seen it. You know, the kingdom of God isn't like the sort of king that we normally see, the, the powerful person that we normally see. You know, there, are, uh, there aren't police outriders flanking his limousine, you know, with people running along beside it. It's not that sort of kingdom. It's not a king living in a palace. But Jesus is still utterly, utterly powerful, isn't he? You know, he's driving out evil spirits. He's healing the sick. He's feeding the hungry. He's forgiving sins. He's teaching with such authority that people go, where did this guy get the authority? He's calling people and they all follow him. This is the king. But then, of course, the king, the king died. And if you look at verse 25, you know, Jesus, that didn't sneak up on Jesus. Jesus says this, but first he must suffer many things 
and be rejected by this generation. So Jesus, the king, died. And he says that after that, people will be longing to see the days of the Son of Man. And isn't that true today? Aren't we longing to see those sorts of days where Jesus is, is doing his stuff on the earth? Oh, aren't we longing for those days? And some have said, well, Jesus has returned. Um, if anyone remembers a guy called David Icke, he was a professional footballer. And he was a sports presenter, and he appeared on, uh, on Wogan, Terry Wogan's show, and said, actually, he was the son of God. But Jesus says, no. He says, people will say, there he is, or here he is. Don't go running off after them. Because he says, when he comes back, it will be the, like the lightning from one side of the sky to the other. But hang on, so Jesus the king has died, but the angel said that Jesus' kingdom was everlasting. How did that happen? The king's gone, hasn't he? Because Jesus rose again. Jesus rose again, and now he sends his spirit on his people. And what does that mean for us? The spirit that empowered Jesus for his ministry is now in us who believe. Jesus' kingdom is still here. We don't have a vicar, but Jesus' kingdom is still here. The Spirit of God is still in us. It's hidden away, but the kingdom is still here in us. And here is the big question. How are we looking with the kingdom of God in us? How are we looking? How is Jesus' kingdom looking? You know, if Jesus isn't walking the earth, healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching with power, but instead he's walking in us, how are we looking? I wonder if you've ever asked somebody why they don't believe and they say something like, well, you know, if I could see him, then I might believe in him. Well, one day they're going to see him like lightning from one side of the sky to the other. But in the meantime, they need to look at us. To see the kingdom. They need to look at Christ church. Can people see the kingdom of God in us as Christ church? Can people see the kingdom of God in us as individuals as we go about our daily lives? Or is the spirit hidden just popping out in services on a Sunday? How do our lives show the kingdom of God? Do people see Jesus the King in us, healing, speaking truth, loving, can we just show that first video of the bus driver, please? I remember one woman in particular, a senior, who had gotten on my bus and she seemed completely lost. I could see she was confused. I don't know whether it was an illness, but she looked so beautiful for a hot summer day to have a fur on. So I said, uh, are you okay? She said, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, but I don't know a restaurant. I'm meeting my friends. I said, you sit in the bus, I'll run in and I'll check each restaurant. The very, very last one on the left, I said, it's gotta be this one. So I said, uh, stay here, sweetie, it's nice and cool in here. I went in, I said, uh, there's a lady in the bus and she's not sure the restaurant. 
And I saw a whole bunch of other seniors there, and, and they said, oh, it's Bobby Ha. So I ran back to the bus. I said, oh, sweetie, your restaurant is right here. And I said, no, no, don't move. And I grabbed her hand. I remember my right hand grabbed her right hand. I wanted to make her feel special, like it was a limousine. It's a bus. And she said she felt like Cinderella. And she said, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer. And today, it's the best day of my life. Just because I helped her off the bus. And I never forgot that one. Friends, the kingdom of God is here. But are we living out that kingdom with the spirit that God has put inside us? Kingdom of God is here. And it can be as simple as helping an old lady off the bus. So the kingdom of God is here. Secondly, the kingdom of God is coming and will be obvious to everyone. There is a not yet part of the kingdom. Jesus will return in power and every eye will see him. Do we really believe that? Because that's what Jesus says is going to happen. When will the kingdom of God come? We do not know. Whatever Botticelli, Martin Luther, Nostradamus, the Shakers, the Jehovah's Witnesses, Jonathan Edwards, or Pat Robertson says. We do not know when the kingdom of God will come. Jesus said this. So Jesus' disciples said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. So we don't know when the kingdom of God will come, but that doesn't mean we don't know anything. We do know what it's going to be like. We know that life is going to be utterly normal when Jesus comes again. Life is going to be utterly normal. How do we know that? Because Jesus says, look at verses 26 and following, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Does that sound like today? Could be today. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. Does that sound like today? Sounds like today. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Life will be normal. There will be destruction, but also there will be rescue. It says the flood came and destroyed them all, but it didn't actually destroy them all because those in the ark were saved. The day Lot, Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. But it didn't destroy them all because actually Lot and his family had already been rescued. And it will be the same today. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Could it be today? Yes, it could. But rescue is totally possible. That's the good news of the gospel. Rescue is possible through Jesus Christ who died for us. (coughs) 
This is what it says in verse 33. Whoever tries to keep their life will preserve it. Sorry, everyone who tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. Those who try to keep their life will lose it. Those who try to lose their life will preserve it. And I wonder, are we trying to keep our life? Are we trying to hold on to our life? Are we more concerned about what other people think of us than what God thinks of us? Are we more concerned about our money, about our success, about our comfort, about our sinfulness? Would we rather go our own way? Because life will seem fine, then judgment will come. It's like not warming up for a run and then pulling a muscle. And you think afterwards, oh, if only I'd warmed up. Like gossiping about someone. And then they walk around the corner. <laughs> it's like taking a pill at a festival and waking up in hospital. Like being on Facebook when your boss walks in. Like opening an email on the computer and only realizing later that it's a virus. The kingdom of God is coming and will be obvious to everyone. If you don't know Jesus yet, the challenge is for you. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to appear like lightning from one side of the sky to the other. And if you don't know Jesus as your king, then sadly, there's no hope. We get ready for God's kingdom by getting off the throne of our own lives and asking Jesus to be our king. If you don't know Jesus, please come to know him today. If you don't know how to do that, come and talk to one of us or go for prayer ministry. If you do know Jesus, then don't be complacent. Don't be complacent. Don't live your life as if Jesus isn't the king. It's happened before. We've seen it in the flood. We've seen it in Sodom. These are examples for us. Not to be complacent, not to live as if Jesus will never come back. Jesus, the king, has put his spirit in us. We need to be living for him. Don't turn back for your treasures and possessions. Put Jesus first. For all of us, are we ready for the kingdom? And if so, that will show itself by us living with Jesus as our king. So we live in the now and not yet. Jesus is the king. Uh, Jesus has been shown to be king by his resurrection from the dead. But we're waiting for that victory to be revealed. Life feels normal. Life feels hard. Life feels really hard, I guess, for some of us now. But our eyes shouldn't be on the here and now, painful though that is. Our eyes need to be on the day when Jesus returns, living for him. What do we need to do? We need to get in the game. Can we show my second video, please? Jason McElwain was at practice today doing what he does every day. As a student assistant, he helps out the team. But all that changed on Wednesday night. That's when Coach Jim Johnson decided to give Jason his shot to suit up and play. He said, this is your senior present. This is your last, last chance to ever get on the floor as an actual basketball player for that night. Jason, or J-Mac as he is known, is medically diagnosed as highly functioning autistic. 
He's also loved by his teammates and fellow students. That's why they came to the game with his face on signs. And when he entered the game, they went crazy. My emotions started running wild. I actually sat down and I, I started to tear up. I was like, oh my God, this is happening. Jason got in the game, took a pass and took a shot. He missed badly. First possession, he gets the ball, he shoots an air ball. He misses like by six feet. And I put my hands in my head and I'm like, please Lord, just get him a basket. One minute later, he got his hoop. A three-pointer that set the gym on fire. I was very excited. Uh, the team was excited. Um, everybody else was excited. But J-Mac wasn't done. He kept shooting and kept hitting. Another three and another three. I was on fire. It was hotter than a pistol. When he was done, he had hit a team record tying six three-pointers. The crowd stormed the court and put Jason on their shoulders. It was one of those special moments that, as an athletic director, if I retired today, this would be the one thing that I talked about forever. Jason's playing career is done, but his celebrity continues at school. Everybody, I was late to every single class. Every, everybody was saying congratulations. So you got a superstar on your team now. Yeah, right? he's like a celebrity in school. He's loving every bit of it, too. You see him smiling all the time. In Rochester, New York, this is Mike Catalano reporting. Get in the game. Do you know what? You'll do more on the, in the game than you will on the bench. Get in the game. Live. Live with Jesus as your king. Do you know what? If we all, even just this room, went out and did that, what a profound difference we would make in this city and in this area and in this country and in this world. If you're not in the game, get in the game. Live with Jesus as your king. He could come back tomorrow. So let's be ready. Let's reflect the king as we live our lives for him. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you give us the privilege of uh, serving you with you as our king. Lord, may we each day reflect Jesus more in how we live our lives, in what we say, what we think, what we do. And Lord, help us to be ready when Jesus returns. And may that not be a fearful time, but a time of great celebration for all of us. Amen.